Titus chapter 3, God willing, we'll be expounding verse 7 today. Titus 3, verse 7. The title of the message this morning is Salvation Made in Heaven. Hey, how about that, Brother Doug? We used to see it made in China, aren't we? How about made in heaven? I like that. Man, yeah. The past couple of weeks we've been blessed by studying the rich doctrine. Titus chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It tells us how God saved us. Paul said to Titus, we were saved, verse 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. And that's where we left off last week. In verse 5 we learned that we're not saved by works of righteousness that we do, Instead, Paul said we're saved by regeneration and renewing, both of which are work of the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit does this work, Paul said, through Jesus Christ our Savior. In other words, the Holy Spirit regenerates and renews us through the gospel of Jesus Christ by causing our faith to be placed in Jesus and causing Jesus' work to be applied to us or placed on us. Yeah, that is good stuff. So salvation is the Holy Spirit's work of applying Jesus' work for us to us. We'll say it again. Salvation is the Holy Spirit's work of applying Jesus' work for us to us. Not our work, but God's work. We don't regenerate. If I were to ask someone in here, could you regenerate somebody in here today right now none no one none of y'all could regenerate them we don't renew i said can you can you renew me you renew brother shepherd you'd still be just as old right you can't you couldn't do it you could do whatever you wanted to give them a rub down give them a massage give them a you know pedicure whatever you would not renew them none of us have that ability physically much less spiritually So it's all God's work. People who believe you can lose your salvation, they don't understand how salvation works. They just don't understand it. To lose your salvation, you would have to be degenerated after you were regenerated. Think about that. And nowhere in the Bible does it speak of someone being re-regenerated. Never. To lose your salvation, you would have to be antiquated after you were renewed. Think about that. And nowhere in the Bible does it speak of someone being re-renewed. This is why Paul is telling us in no uncertain terms that salvation is not by our works. It is the work of God alone. The work of we do, has no effect on the work God does. Okay? You can't make yourself lose your salvation. The work that we do can't save us. The work that we do can't unsave us. The work we do can't regenerate us. The work we do can't degenerate us. (laughs) 
It's the work of God alone. Our work can never trump God's work. That's why Paul is telling us, again, in no uncertain terms, that, that it is not by our works, it's God's work. And Paul said the reason we're not saved by our works is so, look now in uh, the next verse, please, in verse 7, that being justified. This is why it's by God's work alone. That being justified, take your pens and underscore the word justified. God saves us by justifying us. In salvation, God performs the act of justifying us. And we enjoy the benefit of being justified. Notice that I said the word being. God performs the act of justifying and we enjoy the benefit of being justified. Take your pens and underscore, uh, excuse, excuse me, circle the word being. Being. Those of y'all who enjoy grammar, and I do, I love grammar. <clears throat> being is a special kind of verb, isn't it? It's not like any other kind of verb. You can say Run. You could say throw or jump or kick or shout. It's something you do. If I said be, <laughs> Brother Doug, you be Brother Doug. Yeah, but that's not Doug's work. Doug can't make himself be Doug. Someone made Doug be Doug. Being justified. A verb of being is not a verb that shows action. It shows one that identifies who or what a person is or will become. If rain falls from the sky, a person can be wet. But there's a difference between a person causing it to rain and a person being wet. Raining is causative. Being in the state and condition of uh, being wet is different. We didn't cause it to rain. The rain caused us to be wet. You see the difference? Being is passive. For example, if I was a doctor performing surgery on a patient, which I've done plenty of times. I do that in my spare time. But if I was a doctor performing surgery on a patient, then you would say that I was operating on someone. On the other hand, if I was the patient, then you would say that I was being operated on. You see? I love the Bible and I love grammar. Paul did not say that we are justifying. Paul said that we are being justified. Justification is God's work. Being justified is us being the objects of that work. In salvation, we are not the surgeons. We are the ones being operated on. If salvation was our work, then we could lose it. But salvation is God's work, and we are the objects of that loving work. So what does it mean, then, to be justified? He said that being justified, what does it mean to be justified? Never forget this. To justify someone means to declare that person to be innocent. 
or righteous. To declare that person to be innocent or righteous. You know, people often try to justify themselves. Here it says being justified. He didn't say justifying. We don't justify ourselves. But you know, in, in a religion, there's a lot of religions, every religion but Christianity, by the way, true Christianity, they're justifying themselves. They're declaring themselves to be innocent or righteous. Not too long ago, there were a lot of riots that were politically motivated in our country. We remember them. It was a terrible time. One particular night, a group of riders set fire to a new car dealership. I just remember seeing that dealership and all those cars burning. I thought, what a waste. They were guilty of arson. Just as guilty as they could be. They were guilty of destroying millions of dollars worth of property. But the rioters and all the people who supported them, they tried to justify themselves by saying that they were angry at the current political leadership. We're angry. We're outraged. So we're okay. This is right what we're doing. They're justifying themselves. But the rioters were saying, okay, we're, we're not guilty, but salvation is not like those rioters. You can't just justify yourself and say, well, I'm not guilty. Salvation is not man attempting to justify himself. It is God justifying man. It says clearly right here that being justified. Luke chapter 10 if you're taking notes, verse 25 through 29, I want to read to you a portion of Scripture there. Luke 10, 25 through 29. It gives us a great example of man attempting to justify himself. This is what all religions outside of salvation by grace through faith in Christ do. Jesus described it this way with a parable. No, it wasn't a parable. It was, but it wasn't. Right now, this is history, and Jesus worked a parable into it. And so he says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So the man's asking Jesus, a lawyer is asking Jesus. Lawyers love technicalities. He's asking Jesus, Master, teacher, what shall I do? Now remember, salvation is God's work, not ours. But he's asking, what work do I do that I can inherit? Inherit's a big word. Remember that. What can I do? What shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, what is written in the law? He's asking the lawyer, okay, you want to know what work you can do to inherit eternal life? What does the law say? He said, how do you read the law? How do you interpret it? And he that is the lawyer answering said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. That's how the lawyer summed up the law. And the lawyer was right. And he, that is Jesus, said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do. You do that. And thou shalt live. You do that. You perform that work. You perfectly fulfill that law. You'll be fine. 
you'll have no sin against you. The law will clap and declare you righteous. No problem at all. Jesus wasn't telling the man, this is how we go to heaven. But he was telling the man, you do that, you'll live. Because the wages of sin is death. But if you fulfill that law, there is no sin. Therefore, there is no death. There's only life. Make sense? And, and so after Jesus says, you, you answered right. Brilliant deduction. You do that, you will live. Then we read next, but he that is the lawyer, willing to justify himself. That is, he's now going to declare himself righteous. At least he wants to declare himself righteous. He was willing to justify himself. He's like, oh, this is good. But he's got to get the technicality because he knows his own sin. He knows his own failures. He knows he wasn't polite to William Cheek. He knows he cheated uh, somebody else in the past. And, 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 and maybe he was rude to somebody. And, and, and he's done some people wrong in the past. And, and he knows uh, that he's come short. So he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Technicality. Because if only the closest people to me are my neighbors, if only the people in the synagogue when I go worship are my neighbors, then I can be as good as I can to them and I won't feel so bad about the other people that I haven't been so good to. And then I'll know that I've fulfilled this law. Who's my neighbor? The man knew he hadn't loved all people like himself. So he thought he'd declare himself innocent for those he hadn't loved by saying, technically, well, they're not my neighbor. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Well, sure, yeah, but well, they're not my neighbor. In salvation, God does the work and God does the justifying. It's not what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life, but God, what will you do that I may inherit eternal life? We're simply the guilty people who are being justified. You may think, oh, but wait a second, Pastor. You, you said that justification, you said that justifying someone was declaring that person to be innocent. But you just said that we're guilty people being justified. How does that work? If we're guilty, how can God declare us innocent? It sounds bizarre, doesn't it? Can, can, oh, we'll say, well, maybe he's just God. He's powerful and he can just, just do that. He could just make us innocent. He can say, well, uh, 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 I'm God. I can declare anything, so I'll just say you're innocent. No, that's not what God does. God can't declare guilty people to be innocent because the Bible says God cannot lie. You see? So if I'm guilty, and I am guilty, you're guilty. If I'm guilty, God cannot say, I now declare you innocent, Richard. Not with my guilt, I can't. So once again, how can God declare us innocent? How can He justify guilty people? Well, He does so, Paul said. Look back in your text. Say those three words. By His what? Grace. Which means He does so by His kindness to us in the gospel. In God's loving kindness, He came in the person of Jesus Christ. He stood in my place to bear my 
guilt and take my punishment on my behalf. When Jesus came, he took full responsibility for the life that I would live. Think of it like that. Full responsibility for the life that I would live. And Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He took my punishment on my behalf. He, and when He died on the cross for my sins, he, he cleared the docket of all of my crimes. The court docket was completely cleared, making me no longer guilty. Everything had been absolved. And then Jesus, who stood in my place, allows me to now stand in His place. You see? When my sin was credited to Jesus' account, God declared Jesus guilty. On the cross, guilty. My sin, my life, credited to Jesus. Guilty. The wages of sin is death. Jesus died on the cross. At the same time, Jesus was righteous in his own self. He had no guilt at all. He obeyed that law. He loved his neighbor as himself. And now that Jesus' righteousness has been credited to my account, you see, the beautiful thing about salvation, Jesus went to the cross. He took full responsibility for the life he knew I would live. And now I take responsibility for the life he lived. He exchanged with me. He got credit for my guilt, and God puts credit to me for his righteousness, his innocence, his obedience to his word. My innocence is undeniable. It's a fact in heaven that can never change because Jesus' righteousness is undeniable in a fact in heaven that can never change. So God does not justify us by our goodness God does not justify us by just saying, well, we'll forget about the whole thing. We'll just declare you innocent. That would be a farce. It would not be true. God justifies us by crediting our guilt to Christ, crediting his innocence to us. Not by our goodness, but by his grace. You see the difference? In salvation, God is the subject and we are the objects. We are the objects of God's washing. We are the objects of God's renewing. We're the objects of God's justifying us. Salvation is God's work conducted by God's grace through God's Son. And God bestowed this wonderful grace of the gospel upon us that, look back in your text, we should be made heirs. Now remember what the lawyer asked Jesus. What shall I do that I may, what? Inherit eternal life. And so God is telling us here, not what we can do to inherit eternal life, because we don't love our neighbor as ourselves. Sometimes we're just downright selfish, aren't we? Sometimes it's just all about us. We don't love God with all of our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength. Sometimes, man, we're just not very godly people, are we? Sometimes we'd rather watch 
a movie or TV or something, and or we'd rather go out and just lounge around, and you know we're just not that energetic about godliness. And so God is saying here, it's not like the lawyer asked, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? It's by God's grace what He did, His washing, His renewing, His justifying, that you may inherit eternal life. You can be heirs. He said we should be made heirs. Made. There's that verb made. That's also passive too, isn't it? It's not active. He didn't say that you should make yourself an heir. You are being justified. You are being made an heir. It's God's making. When you are an heir, what do you do? You inherit something, don't you? An heir has something passed down to him that belongs to someone else. (laughs) Isn't that good? Heirs. What's being passed down to us? Jesus' righteousness is being passed down to us. Jesus' innocence is being passed down to us. His obedience to the law is passed down to us. His death on the cross passed down to us. His resurrection from the dead passed down to us. His inheriting everything as the Son of God passed down to us. The Bible says we're joint heirs with Him. His everlasting life is passed down. Us, heirs. Everything you get in salvation is God's work. Everything you get in salvation that you inherit is God's possession passed down to you. Nothing you can make, nothing you can invent and come up with on your own. It's something that belongs to somebody else given freely to you by His grace. That's why when we talk about, as I said with Brother Candela earlier, he's teaching the gospel of grace. This is what we're talking about here. Not our work. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. Underscore the word made in your text, please. Do you now see how every part of salvation is God's work by God's grace through God's Son? Do you see how no part of salvation is based upon our work at all? That's so contrary to most churches meeting today in Maybank. That's so contrary to most religions meeting yesterday or today or whenever they meet or don't meet. Very contrary That's what was so beautiful about when I used to try to figure out what religion is true. I found out at the end they're all the same. Every one of them the same. They're all trying to set a certain number of rules to do and you do these good enough, you live long enough, try hard enough and hopefully maybe one day you can make it. Christianity all of its offshoots and everything, the, the perversions of it, they're just like any other religion. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is grace. God's work, not ours. God's possession passed down to us by His unmerited favor. 
We should be made heirs. Now, if, if, if you turn a product over and you look at it, as I so often do, you will see made in the USA. You will see made in China. You will see made in Mexico. Made. Some of y'all have something right now you could probably turn over and see those words. Made in some country. Can you think of anything that you have that's made that made itself? Anything? Anybody? You got a stamp on it that says made in wherever. That product didn't assemble itself. That product didn't think the plan through and arrange itself and develop the minerals and elements from harvest them from the earth and intelligently assemble them all together. It was made someplace by somebody. That we should be made heirs. You are a creation of God if you have believed the gospel, put your faith in Jesus Christ. God makes you heirs. You're a new creature, the Bible says. Why? Because it's a new creation. He makes you an heir. Your tablet, your cell phone, my glasses, they were all made somewhere. The product of someone's creativity. Salvation makes us heirs. You don't lift a finger to be saved you don't lift a finger to stay saved you are made I'm not making this up we're reading the language right here it's plain and clear the people that say well you gotta you know you gotta live so hard you gotta get baptized you gotta come down you gotta do this you gotta keep trying to live right and don't turn away from God and keep serving and keep doing and all They're not being made anything. They're making a mess. Is what they're making. They're making a big mistake. They're relying on their work. It's not the gospel. Not the gospel at all. It's not by grace through faith. Again, the product didn't make itself. It was made by someone else. When it comes to salvation, God is the subject. We are the objects. He does the work, not us. Salvation is an imported product made in heaven. Has no earthly origins whatsoever. Salvation is entirely an imported product made in heaven. No part of it is made on earth. No part of it is made by man. Sometimes... Expensive quality products are counterfeited in China. Y'all know that? They are. They'll counterfeit anything we do. Some kind of cheap knockoff. If you have a salvation that's made in earth, if you have a salvation that needs something here on earth, if you have a salvation that, 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 that's made somewhat by man, then you have a counterfeited gospel. Salvation is God's washing, God's renewing, God's justifying, God's adoption, making us heirs. God makes us clean. God makes us new. God makes us innocent. God makes us heirs. 
That's why Paul said in the previous verses that salvation, again, is not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to God's mercy. And God did all of this for us. Look back in your text as we close. According to the hope of eternal life. I don't have a whole lot in life. I'm not a wealthy person. Monetarily, that is. I'm very rich in what matters. <clears throat> but, but earthly speaking, earthly wise, I, I don't have a lot. But what I do have will one day go to my heirs. We'll go to my wife. We'll go to my children. In the gospel, God makes us heirs. That he might pass down to us something that belongs to him and to him alone. So that he alone will be able to be praiseworthy. So that there will be no boasting in heaven. Oh, this is what I did. Or I held out as long as I could. I stayed true. I did this. And, and so that's why I'm in heaven. Or I know so and so is in heaven because they were such a good person. Nah. That's not made in heaven. It's made on earth. It's counterfeit. I made my wife and children heirs to certain things that belong to me. It's written down. My savings, my cars, my home. When I die, will all be passed down to my heirs. But God didn't make us heirs according to the riches of this world. He made us heirs according to the hope of eternal life. None of us gave ourselves life. Life was given to us. Physical life was given to us. Life does not belong to us. Life is enjoyed by us. Life is lost by us. Life is gained by us. But it does not belong to us. My house belongs to me. My cars belong to me. My money belongs to me. My heirs will get something that belongs to someone passed down to them. Life belongs to God and to God alone. As no one in here can renew somebody, certainly you can't renew yourself. As nobody in here can, can uh, justify somebody, I mean, I could say, Luke, you are innocent. It'd be a farce. I can't declare that. As nobody can regenerate somebody, there's nobody in here that can give somebody life. Nobody. Most every one of us have had the unfortunate experience of watching a loved one die. Standing over a casket and seeing a loved one in the casket dead. Weep. Hurt deep inside. Mourn and it never goes away. And there's absolutely nothing we can do. To pass life down to that person. Nothing. Do you see how Paul. Is explaining to us. That when it comes to salvation. We are in absolute rags. We come to the cross. Completely empty handed. One person, when describing 
him sharing the gospel with people. I'm sure you've heard it before. He said, I'm one beggar telling other beggars where to find bread. The bread's at the cross. The bread's Jesus and his death and resurrection for us. It's all we need right there. He's the one that had life. He says, I have power to give my life. He said, I have power to take it up again. That's what he told him before he died on the cross. And he did take it up again the third day. Life belongs to Jesus. Jesus is God. We were made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Again, it doesn't belong to us. It's completely outside of our power. Everything that Paul said concerning salvation here is completely outside of our power, outside of our possession. We have absolutely no way to give it to ourselves. We need to write ourselves out of the equation of salvation completely. Other than being the gracious objects and recipients of God's grace and mercy. He made us heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Being made his heirs by his work, by his grace, through his son, inheriting his life. Eternal life means you can never lose it. God has passed down to us the hope. And in the Greek that means the guarantee of eternal life to all who accept the wonderful news of what Christ has accomplished for us on the cross. We have been made clean. We have been made new. We have been made innocent. We have been made heirs. Salvation made in heaven, imported down to us through the gospel. Lord, we thank you so much for your wonderful grace. Oh, Father, I pray if there's anyone here this morning who's been raised, Father God, in church, given wrong information, who's been leaning upon their own work, their own faithfulness, their own duty, their own faith even, and not just looking, Father, to the work you made for us. Oh, Father, thank you for giving us a salvation that's completely by grace, completely by faith, meaning us believing the grace that you've done for us. Because if it had any work that we had to do whatsoever, I most definitely would not qualify. But Lord, it is by grace that it might be by faith that it might be available to everyone who wants to live and become an heir. And I pray, Father God, you'll bless us as we continue to go through this Genesis to Jesus class. I pray you'll bless us as people continue to come, that if there's anyone with any uncertainty whatsoever, and will there, where they will spend eternity, that will be settled once and for all as the gospel of your grace sinks down into their hearts and they accept what you've done for them. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen.